This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Very good afternoon to you and welcome. Lovely to be with you this afternoon. As it is, 10 past 2 on a Wednesday afternoon, it means it is Judaism 101.9. Yes, cute little ad just played before um, I started speaking, which was all about um, let's eat. Well, let's think about what do we eat on some of the festivals that are perhaps lesser known. And we've got one of those coming up during this coming week. When I say that during this coming week, I'm talking about between now and the next time that uh, we hear Judaism 101.9. And that festival is not one of the so-called public holidays. Um, no, think again. It is actually this coming Sunday. In the midst of this long weekend, um, full of public holidays and wonderful school holidays and all sorts of other holidays, there is a special holy day called Pesach Sheni. And Pesach Sheni occurs on this coming Sunday. Sunday will be the 14th day in the month of Iyar. 14th day in the month of Iyar is known as Pesach Sheni. And I'm sure there are many people out there who say, well, this idea of Pesach Sheni, meaning the second Pesach, seems to be a little bit of a misnomer, a little bit of a difficulty for us, because surely one Pesach was enough. You know, we had it already. We've been there. We've done that. We have um, eaten enough uh, matzah and uh, all the other goodies that we had over Pesach, that we've literally got it coming out of our ears, or we had it coming out of our ears. We've already had a couple of weeks to recuperate, but... um, who really needs another Pesach? So what is this Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach, really all about? If you take a look on your average Jewish calendar, you see it sort of mentioned there. As a bit of a byline, it is uh, mentioned, written on the bottom of the page, sort of um, in uh, small font, in small letters. It just says Pesach Sheni. And uh, you and I know that it is not one of the three pilgrim festivals. It's not one of the Chagim. We are allowed to drive. We're allowed to uh, turn on lights. We're allowed to cook. We're allowed to do all sorts of other things. Um, so uh, how is it a Yom Tov at all? How is it a Chag? What is this Pesach Sheni actually all about? Bet you don't know. So uh, wonder if you do. Um, we're going to be talking about Pesach Sheni today and all that it represents Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach. If we take a look back in scriptures, if we take a look back into the Torah itself, we see that, in fact, Pesach Sheni, this idea, this concept of a second Pesach, is actually biblical. Yes, it is mentioned in the Torah. It's mentioned in the Bible directly. There is a direct reference to Pesach Sheni. How did it come about? It was a very, very interesting kind of a Chag, a very interesting kind of a Yom Tif, because it came, so to speak, not from above, but rather from below. What happened? The Jewish people had gotten out of Egypt. When we got out of Egypt, of course, that is the date on which we celebrate Pesach. So the concept of Pesach um, is biblical and very, very dynamic, but it came about through actions from above. There were miracles, there were wonders, there were all the plagues and everything that we celebrated on Pesach to get us out of Egypt. But then 
The Jewish people were given all the rules and regulations about Pesach, the concept of eating matzah, the concept of having a Paschal offering, a Pesach offering, the concept of what it will be like or what it was going to be like and what it was like in temple times when people went to the Beit HaMikdash, they went to the temple and they brought their uh, Paschal offering. And then on that night together, they sat as a family and the Pesach Seder of old, was this incredible family kind of an occasion where we ate the paschal lamb and we ate the matzah and we ate the uh, bitter herbs and all of that sort of stuff that was coupled together in order to make for um, the most incredible festival, the festivities that were known as Pesach. There was one problem, and the problem was something that seems to have been initially kind of unforeseen, and that was the enthusiasm with which people wanted to perform the Pesach offering. They wanted to be part of it. They did not want to be left out. They did not want to be um, swept aside and not able to perform the Pesach offering or be involved in it. And they were worried when they started to study all of these rules and regulations, worried about the fact that there may be a time when they were absolutely, sometimes through no fault of their own, but sometimes through a fault of their own, where they were absolutely precluded where they could not bring the Pesach offering, not to bring it on a particular date. Remember, it was a one-time thing. You missed it, you missed out. It was um, either you did it or you didn't do it. Either you were there on the uh, 14th of Nisan in order to bring your Pesach offering and there on the evening of the 15th of Nisan in order to eat it and celebrate Pesach. But what happened if you couldn't? What happened if you couldn't get there? What happened if you were... In a state of impurity, for whatever reason, you were unable to attend anything in the Beit HaMikdash. You weren't able to be involved. You had to be in a state of purity in order to be able to bring your Korban Pesach, your Pesach offering. And the people rallied around Moshe Rabbeinu Moses with this incredible question, a question that came from such a good place, because the good place was that the people themselves were worried that there is going to be an offering that we know that we're going to want to bring with enthusiasm, that we're going to be want, want to be involved with. But there is such a small bandwidth and such a small opportunity, a window of opportunity, that if we miss it, does that mean for the whole year we miss out? Now, many of us would possibly dream about the fact that if we could miss out on a Pesach just like that because we're in a state of impurity or we happen to be away or whatever the case may be, that, uh, wow, wonderful, we don't get to eat matzah this year, we don't have to do all the cleaning, um, all the cooking, all the preparation, have that bloated feeling uh, that seems to last forever. And um, there it goes. We don't have to do it. But no, the Jewish soul says Pesach is so essential to us and the Pesach offering is so essential that the people campaigned. They didn't start a street protest or go on strike or march through the streets, but they rallied around Moshe and they said, why should we be jeopardized if for a reason that perhaps is out of control, but even out of our control, but perhaps even one that is within our control, if there is a reason for due to distance, whether it was physical or whether it was a spiritual distance. If I am in a state of impurity, 
Sometimes through no, no fault of my own, I've had to attend to the dead. I've had to attend a funeral or I've had to be involved in a situation that I have become, in inverted commas, tamay. I've become contaminated by something that had to do with um, uh, um, impurity. What happens in that scenario, in that situation, and why should I be jeopardized? And they begged and they pleaded and they asked, could we not have um, some kind of finding on whether or not we can bring a Pesach offering at a later stage? And Moshe Rabbeinu Moses gets back to them and he says, I've sent the message upstairs. I have called upon... um, the the holiest of holies, um, God himself, the Almighty. And the response has been, yes, one month later, exactly, from the date of bringing the Pesach offering on the 14th of Iyar, you will have an opportunity if, for whatever reason, you were unable to bring it on the correct date, you could bring it one month later. And thus comes into existence the concept of Pesach Sheni. We'll speak a little bit more about it right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. We're continuing talking about Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach, and where does it all come from and what do we actually do? Well, if we take a look at many of the um, different authorities who uh, comment about, who talk about, who think about this concept of Pesach Sheni, there is only one thing that uh, we do today in order to mark this date, and that is that we eat matzah. And the question that is asked by many of them is, when do we actually eat matzah? Why and when is that matzah eaten? And there are a number of different takes on it, a number of different views, some of which are really quite fascinating. And when we start unpacking them, we realize that there is a lot more to this Pesach Sheni story than uh, we initially thought. And it wasn't just something that um, was a commemoration of way back when, when the Jewish people thought that they might be missing out and therefore it was a new possible date allocated. But in fact, some, including the great uh, Reb Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, who uh, makes a very, very interesting uh, comment. He was known as the Yaivitz, and he lived from 1697 to 1776. And he says that it was revealed to me from heaven. He actually makes that comment. There was a revelation from heaven that um, this was the date that marked something very, very significant in the uh, Jewish people's time in the desert. And that was that when they fled Egypt, they had matzah to eat. And the matzah was being eaten, in fact, not just for a day or two, but in fact, for an entire month. And as they completed their last morsel of matzah, which lasted them so long, so, well, here you have, you know, in a day and age when we worried about uh, things expiring and um, um, sell-by dates and so on. Well, we have from here a proof of the fact that matzah stays and can be used for an entire month. One whole month they ate the matzah. Could you imagine that? And they completed the eating of the matzah on the 14th of Iyar. And it was on that day that they implored God with something else. It wasn't just about when do we or when could we bring the uh, missing Korban Pesach, the Paschal offering, 
But in fact, there was something fundamentally that changed on that day. They ate matzah on that day and then started to ask, when are we going to or where are we going to get food? Our food supply has run out. And it was on the next day that the manna began to fall. The mon, the uh, amazing food stuff that God provided for the Jewish people in the desert, according to these authorities, according to him, that is actually when it began arriving. The people had complained that they no longer had food, and it was on this date, one month after Pesach, that the manna began to fall. And so, on the 14th, they still were eating matzah. And we kind of need to eat matzah, he said, not only because we're mocking the state, but we're eating matzah because it was the last time that the Jewish people ate matzah in the desert before they received the manna. And there was then that big switchover. So we're commemorating or thinking about not only the the the, the people who were um, so well-connected and so intuitive and so um, spiritually in tune with everything that God wanted, that they realized the importance of bringing the Paschal offering and didn't want to miss out, but that it also commemorates, it also talks to the idea of the matzah in the desert lasting for that full month and then switching over. So we had really a month of matzah eating in the desert. Now, of course, um, when we eat matzah on uh, Pesach Sheni, um, we eat it only for that one time. It's a one-time thing. We do not have to kasher our kitchens. We do not have to change over our dishes. We don't have to do a biur chametz, a search for the chametz and a burning of the chametz. We don't have to sell our chametz. We don't have to do all of those things. This is something that we do today. In a commemorative fashion, and in fact, it seems that even when the um, in the times of the Beis Hamikdash and the times of the Temple, when people brought that offering, they brought the offering. It was uh, done. It was eaten, and that was it. It wasn't as though they then celebrated or kept Pesach for the full duration and in exactly the same way as one would have the first time round. It was something that had to do with the offering altogether. And here we have an incredible remnant of all of that that remains um, even up until today. And that is that to mark this special occasion and to mark the last moment that they ate matzah that lasted for them for that full, lasted them for that full month in the desert, that everything lasted, that everything was coming together on the 14th of ER on uh, this date coming up on Sunday to mark all of these things. It shows, number one, the strength and intuition of the Jewish people, their uh, commitment to doing what was right and what was correct, as well as the fact that at this moment, um, God now brought about a brand new miracle. And that all began on the 15th of ER. And so there is actually a debate and a discussion amongst various Torah authorities um, about when actually, if we're eating matzah on uh, Pesach Sheni, when do we actually eat it? Now, if you know the difference between the 14th and the 15th of Iyar, or the 14th and 15th of Nisan, you will know that the 14th is actually the day on which the korban, the sacrifice, was actually brought. The 15th in the evening, well, that's when we actually ate it. Now, what are we commemorating? Are we commemorating the actual sacrifice, or are we commemorating the eating of 
the results of that sacrifice and the Pesach Seder. Well, there are those who say that it's the former. There are those who say that it's the latter. And um, then there are those who tell us that in order to make sure that we uh, do it all correctly, we should, we should actually do them both. And so the actual practice is that on Sunday you should eat some matzah during the day and if possible to also eat some matzah on Sunday evening going into the 15th as well. Although, as I've mentioned to you before, according to Rabbi Yaakov Memden and others, um, others of great stature, of course, um, the real time for the eating of the matzah is the commemoration of the sacrifice which would have taken place on the 14th. It's not the commemoration of eating it, but rather of bringing it because that was truly what it was all about. And therefore, the 14th is far more important um, to eat matzah on that day than on the 15th. But be that as it may, there is something much deeper that this date must connote for us. And that is um, a number of very, very important spiritual messages that we need to think about and take on board and um, integrate into our lives in the thinking of what Pesach Sheni is really all about. First and foremost, let's think about the fact that the Torah is actually telling us that there is an, always an opportunity to make good. There is always an opportunity to Make a comeback. There is always an opportunity to fix something that may not have been correct first time round. It's a very, very interesting concept. And, of course, we can take it quite glibly. We can think about it on a surface kind of a level. And that is that um, I uh, messed up. Um, I've missed an opportunity. That opportunity will never, ever come around again. Um, there will never be another um, 2.34, 34 minutes past 2 on Wednesday afternoon, um, this Wednesday afternoon in this month of March and this year and so on. This moment, this time, this day will never come around again. But from a Jewish point of view, there is the possibility that um, Hashem keeps on telling us that there's always the opportunity to do tshuva. We can always repent. We can always make up. We can always make good. We can always make a comeback. Now, does that mean we can reclaim the lost time? Certainly not. The time is gone. Um, it cannot be reclaimed. But the power of tshuva needs to be explored in a much more important and a much deeper kind of a way. Because when we think about the concept of tshuva, the concept of repentance, the concept of making good, from a Jewish point of view, it goes a lot further than just saying, well, um, I've missed an opportunity. I can always do it at a later stage. It won't quite be the same, but um, at least I will have done it. And that is our way of thinking, usually, I think, about how we can make good, how we can fix things. But perhaps the message of uh, Pesach Sheni and the concept of tshuva needs to be looked at in a little bit of a deeper fashion. You know, when it comes to the times of tshuva, and we think about that particularly when it's Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, um, the Aseret Yemei Tshuva, the 10 days of repentance and repentance per se, we have the concept of being able to take that that we broke or that that we lost and being able to bring it back in an even more powerful way than it was originally. So, for instance, if somebody has 
done something wrong or somebody has sinned, somebody has messed up, that the possibility or the opportunity of tshuva doesn't only mean that we expunge that negativity or that negative um, uh, event or series of events and that they are now struck from the record that they are completely erased. But what it means on a much deeper level is that we actually take the negative and we turn it into a positive. We take whatever we have done wrong and we can um, embroider upon it and we can make good on it and we can not only make good on it, but we can utilize the power, the strength of the depths of negativity that it took us to, to turn it around and make it all positive. So in fact, the idea of a day or a time or an event or an opportunity that will never come around again is actually expunged and is turned on its head and is made even more successful and even greater by the fact that we do tshuva, that we do this repentance and that we can actually bring it around, embroider upon it, stand upon it and reach far further than we ever could before. Imagine a person ruining the fact that he missed an opportunity, for instance, of, um, let's say, a business opportunity. Or let's say a person ruining the fact that you had a relationship opportunity. And you think back to it and you say, oh, golden opportunity and I missed it. And it will never come around again. And I've just got to live with the fact that I could have bought that business. I could have um, gotten involved with that marriage, with that relationship. I could have been in that kind of an environment or I could have been at the pinnacle of success in that type of a business. Torah says, instead of focusing on that and looking at it as a missed opportunity, what about where you actually are now? So you have a look now. The person who's speaking says, well, I missed that opportunity, but I married the right person. Look at the beautiful, wonderful wife that I do have. Look at the wonderful husband that I have. Look at my family. So, yes, that was a missed opportunity. And for a moment, we ruin the fact that that moment will never come back. But look where I am and look at the incredible gains that I have right now. And had that missed opportunity not been there, I would never have been where I am. And we think about something similar when it comes to that business opportunity. Well, I happen to turn that into the greatest success because had I gone into that business with that missed opportunity, I might have um, made um, X. But right now, I not only have X, but I have health and I have happiness and I have a beautiful environment and I met the most incredible people. And all of that would not have happened had I been involved in that missed opportunity kind of a business. So it's not really only about the missed opportunities, but it's about what one has done on the rectification side, what you have done on the side of fixing all of those things and of making good on them. And that is really the Jewish view of what tshuva is really all about. It's about turning things around, standing on them, embroidering upon them, and realizing that they're even better than they could have been before. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So we've been talking about Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach, and of course eating matzah 
is uh, the watchword which takes place on this coming Sunday during the day on Sunday. So if you're going away for the long weekend, remember to pack a little bit of matzah that you've got to take, whether it's to the Kruger Park or going away um, anywhere out of town uh, where you may not be able to get matzah. Remember, you need a piece of matzah for uh, each member of the family to be able to eat on this coming Sunday. Um, at some stage during the day, and as I told you before the break, many say you should eat on Sunday evening as well, a little bit of matzah in order to fulfill the uh, requirement or the uh, kind of the, 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 the remembrance of the fact that um, it was actually on the 15th in the evening that the Pesach Seder was held, and for those who were bringing the Korban Pesach late, one month later, that they would also be eating it on that particular evening. But be that as it may, we were speaking about the fact that tshuva, repentance, and everything that it stands for can actually not only turn everything on its head and change things, but it can actually, in a way, justify the uh, missed opportunities. It can bring them back not only to fruition, but can actually give us the opportunity to take um, what we seem to have missed out on, what seems to be missing from ourselves, our lives, our souls, and we can actually embroider upon those mistakes and we can actually fix them. We can fix things up to make it all good, to make it all wonderful, to make it all uh, brilliant and sparkling, which, of course, is this period of time that we're in now between uh, Pesach and Shavuot, the Sfirata Omer, which we are told is not only about counting, but it's actually about making the various dimensions of our soul shine. We can make the missed opportunities shine as well. So, in fact, if we think about Pesach Sheni, its message is uh, really that it is never too late. It's never too late to say you're sorry. It's never too late to fix something that uh, you may have messed up. It's never too late to um, do tshuva. It's never too late to repent. It's never too late to make good on something that you perhaps promised or that perhaps was forgotten about. It's never too late to give charity. It's never too late to do a mitzvah. The opportunities uh, need to be utilized, and we need to make sure that even if there is a possibility that we messed up, and even if there's an op- a possibility that we made some mistakes, it's never too late. We can always fix. We can always come back, and we can always do that particular Um, so-called proverbial U-turn and we can fix things that we thought were farfallen, we thought were uh, lost, we thought that they were missing we can fix them, we can bring them back and we can make them count if we think about it um, not only on the level of it being too late but there is an added dimension from a spiritual point of view in the whole story of Pesach Sheni and that is that we've been taught or we have thought up until Pesach Sheni or up until the message that Pesach Sheni brings that, um, you know, tshuva, repentance, really only helps if there is something that uh, we didn't do on purpose. What happens if I sinned on purpose? What happens if I did something wrong knowingly? I did something wrong and it was absolutely fundamentally intentional. Well, we know from our tshuva on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur um, and the period in between that we do apologize to God and we do make good on stuff, on things that were unintentional as well as the things that were intentional. Well, Pesach Sheni comes along to remind us of the fact that 
there could be stuff that we have done that was intentional because it is not only if we were far away and that being far away, as we mentioned before, is not only distance-wise, but we may have been far away just in our minds, just in our spirituality, too far away to be able to be involved in something spiritual. And it doesn't matter if it was something that we did Unwittingly or if it was something that was knowingly So I knew that I was traveling away And I knew that I was going to be far away And I actually, Dafka was far away um, When it came to Pesach Here too, Pesach Shani reminds us That even in those cases It's never too late There is always the opportunity to apologize There's always the opportunity to fix And Pesach Shani works In those instances as well Be back with you to sum up right after this this is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So this coming weekend, on the coming Shabbat, we read the double parsha of um, Acharei Mot and Kedoshim, two parshiot that are read again this coming Shabbos. And that in itself contains all sorts of wonderful and beautiful messages. And perhaps... If we think about just the lineup of it, Acharei Mot and Kedoshim, prophetically it tells us that after things have died, Kedoshim, we're still holy. In other words, not only um, does it line up with everything that it speaks about in the parsha, but it gives us a cryptic message in the name, Acharei Mot Kedoshim. So we think that things are lost. We think that it is too late. We think that we have ourselves gotten lost and it's gotten sidetracked and are not exactly doing the things that we should be doing. We think that uh, it may be too late. It's too late to say you're sorry. It's too late to fix something that is broken. Pesach Sheni comes along and reminds us that no, Kedoshim, we can still be holy. We can still have that holiness and we can still fix. We can still rectify the things that we think are broken, the things that we think are lost. We can still make good. We can still make a comeback. This is what the second Pesach is really all about. And this date comes into our national and spiritual and physical psyche and our mental psyche and our souls on this coming Sunday. So over this weekend, let's spare a thought for that. Let's do some U-turns. Let's make good on the things that we think are lost. It's never too late. Let's eat matzah on Sunday. And let's have a wonderful Shabbat up ahead, a great rest of the week. I look forward to being back with you again next week, same time, same place, on Judaism 101.9.